Hello Void and thank you for joining me. You are listening to episode 3 of the Cycling Slav podcast with John Paul Haas. Yes, it is the second rest day of La Vuelta 2018 and as I promised, I'm back with the analysis and review of what has happened in the past six days worth of racing and also I will look forward to what will maybe transpire over the course of the last week of the race. There has been a lot of fun racing, some upsets, some surprising moments, some disappointments. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. We will start by the review of the past six days, of the past six stages. Then I will provide some overall commentary on what has transpired and what the contentions are for each of the jerseys. And finally, I will wrap up by looking at the remaining six stages, starting with the one tomorrow or Tuesday, September 11th. So, don't go anywhere, Void. You are listening to the Cycling Slav podcast. My name is John Paul Hoss, and we'll be right back. The last six days of racing started with stage 10 to Bermillo de Sayago. It was a 177 kilometers long sprinty stage, which was unfortunately marred a little bit by the fact that Dan Martin pulled out during the first rest day, but he pulled out because he had a very good reason. His wife is expecting their first children, and so he left the race to be with her. The race itself was also marred a little bit by a pretty nasty crash that took out UAE rider Petili, who actually had to be taken to hospital, but fortunately, as the latest news suggested, he's going to recover, he's going to be okay. In terms of racing, it was a pretty standard stage. Standard sprinty stuff that you would expect. In the end, Viviani beat Sagan in the final sprint. Viviani is just racking up those wins. This has been his 17th win this season. He is just so much on the roll. And it's kind of meeting my pre-race prediction that Sagan will be a little bit in the shadow of these riders like Viviani. Stage 11 then took us to Luinta. It was the longest stage of the Vuelta this year. It was a hilly stage that took 207.8 kilometers to complete, but fortunately the weather got a lot better, so as a result the riders didn't have as much hard time. Unfortunately we lost another top sprinter, Nasser Buani from Kofidis decided to pull out during this stage, but it was a stage in which Movistar had to do a lot of the chasing because Thibaut Pinot actually got into the break, so he was putting a lot of pressure. But despite all that hard work that Thibaut Pinot put into this hilly stage, he didn't make many significant gains. In the end, it was Alessandro De Marchi who won out of the attack for BMC. He has really put his foot down and made his name with this stage, I think. So good results for BMC, especially after Richie Port kind of faltered and disappeared from the contention. Stage 12 took us to Faro de Estaca de Barres, 
It was 181.1 kilometers long, but it was flat with nice lower temperatures and just a little bit of rain too. In fact, it was such an interesting episode. Nibali went into the break, so did Jesus Herrada. This name, by the way, keep it in mind because he will come up a little bit later. Mitchelton Scott didn't quite content the break at all. They were at terms with giving up the red in this stage. Alessandre Geniez in the end wins the day for Agi Désert and for France. So this is a second win for Agi Désert and another success for a French rider at this year's Vuelta. But the big winner of the day was Jesus Herrada for Cofidis, who in fact, because of his hard work in the attack, put himself into the red. And he's gonna stay there, surprise, for quite a bit of time. But the first three stages, that's not really what this week has been all about. No, it's the trifecta of mountainous finishes that followed in the second half, starting with stage 13 to La Camperona. This was a 174.8 kilometer long stage with death at the end. It started with a big break that involved some really high profile names like Ben King and Luis Angel Mete, people who contend over the Polka dot jersey. And they did manage to get quite far ahead, but the moment Ben King put himself into the red jersey virtually, the rest of the peloton started chasing. It was a really fun race up La Camperona. That hill, that mountain is steep. It was really harsh. Micah started with a hard attack. Zakarin followed, but it wasn't quite enough. Miguel Angel Lopez really hoped for a better performance at the mountain, but unfortunately his efforts were hampered by mechanicals. In the end, Oscar Rodriguez won for Team Euskadi Murias, so one of the smaller teams, one of the invitation teams, in fact managed to secure another victory. Herada stays in red, but what we are really interested, or what we were really interested as fans in this stage, it was what will the top contenders do? And here Quintana put the best performance, he was the best of the favorites, but maybe, just maybe he bit a little bit too hard, because as we'll see in the next two stages, maybe this effort at La Camperona cost him. Stage 14 took us to Las Praeres. It was a little shorter than the 13, but only by a little bit. It was 171 kilometers long and another uphill finish wrapped it up. Van Barle from Team Sky was out during this stage. Kwiatkowski, another rider from Team Sky, was in the break, trying to get back some time, put his name out there. Fast racing for the first few hours, but the true racing really started at the last ascent, with Kruiswai going for the first attack, but never being able to separate himself from the other top contenders. In the end, Simon Yates really managed to sell his form. He wins, goes back into red, but we also see a really solid performance from other top contenders, especially my favorite or my favorite pick for the winner of the race, 
Miguel Angel Lopez, he did really well, he was able to hang with Yates. However, Quintana wasn't. Quintana, it, in the end, really slipped back. So, is this a sign of Quintana cracking? I mean, he is still arriving within a couple of seconds of the rest, so maybe not. Maybe this is a way for Quintana to conserve energy, but it could also be a sign of early weakness. We will have to see in the next stages. Finally, stage 15 on Sunday took the peloton to Lagos de Covadonga. This 178.2 km stage had the final uphill climb of this section of the race, which was a little bit gravelly too, so a lot of fun awaiting the riders at the end. Sivakov from Team Sky was out during the stage, so that means that Sky has now lost two riders, and unfortunately I don't see the rest of the Team Sky making any significant gains in the race for the red jersey. But that's not the main story of this stage. Let's go right into that. First, Ben King went into the breakaway trying to shorten the lead that Mate has on the Polkado jersey. Astana then had to chase, especially if they wanted to put Lopez into better contention for the overall victory. Thibaut Pinot in the end, however, managed to win and put himself back into the contention. Pinot was kind of out leading into stage 15, but his work during the breakaway and during the final attack on Covadonga, he was able to put himself back. Lopez and Simon Yates arrived virtually neck to neck, so again, good performance for both. They still remain two of the strong favorites for this race. But what is really interesting here, Valverde was better than Quintana. So what is going on? What's Movistar doing here? That's going to be something I'm going to address in the next part of the podcast. So Void, don't go anywhere. The Cycling Slav podcast with John Paul Haas will be right back. The last six days of racing has clearly provided us a lot of talking material and of course the finishes played themselves into the general classification so let's talk about it first the fight for the proper gc the red jersey if we look at the numbers just in general top five is locked within 1.5 minutes from each other and then top 10 is within 3.5 minutes so top 10 still very close anything could happen there Simon Yates is currently in the red with Valverde and Quintana in second and third respectively. So Michelton Scott Rider followed by two Movistar guys. A lot, however, will be affected by what happens in the last week. And already right going out of the rest day, we have the individual time trial. And that will definitely affect how the final standing pans out. Movistar, of course, is dealing with this dilemma. Who will they ride on? Is it still going to be Quintana, a younger rider, great climber, a guy who has won Vuelta relatively recently? Or are they going to ride on Valverde, an older, a veteran rider who has won Vuelta a long, long time ago, but who is still reliable and can really put out stellar performance but will the age catch up with him 
who knows this is something that Movistar director will have to consider Aru, Nibali and Richie Port are all a bit of a disappointment well not exactly about Port I called it right at the beginning then I got swept by the hype just a little bit but I am disappointed by Aru and I thought that Nibali would recover a little bit better but they are not in the contention I don't think any of them will make any significant impact on the race. Now a positive surprise is Enric Mas from Quickstep Force, this Spanish rider, he is 23 years old and he is in the top 10 and I did not expect that, I did not see that coming. I really did think that Quickstep will be there just for Viviani but clearly they do have a supply of capable climbers too and especially at his age Mas has a great career in front of him. Nevertheless, GC still very much open. How about the points classification? I actually think this one is pretty much settled. Unless something unforeseen impacts Valverde, he is going to arrive in Madrid as the number one. He will wear the green jersey. It's not exactly what I expected. I thought that Valverde will be in much worse condition after Tour de France. But he really does show what a well-rounded, capable cyclist he is, even though he is a veteran of the sport. Sagan sits in the second. That's a bit of a disappointment for him, but again, coming out of a really nasty crash during the Tour, probably thinking a little bit about the World Championship, I think Sagan will be satisfied with how this race has been going for him, even though I'm sure he would have loved to snatch at least one of the stages he has been in a couple of the finishes but he has always been beaten either by Viviani or by Valverde finally Miguel Angel Lopez is in the third that is not exactly expected maybe but given how hilly and kind of difficult for all-out sprinters the Vuelta has been it makes some sense the climber competition, the race for the Polkadot jersey, is still controlled by Luis Angel Mete. He is first, he has a pretty nice buffer. But the Hand, Ben King and even Bauke Molema are all in the contention. They are all within like four or five points from each other. And given that there are still quite a few points in the mountain classification to secure... Luis Angel Mete will have to fight for it. There is no question about that. The combined competition is head-in-head. Head. Valverde and Lopez are locked in the same spot with 13 points each. So the question there is, who will crack? Who will surrender the jersey? I mean, Valverde has won this so many times before he already is the rider with most wins with three but he is really going on to secure his spot in history with that fourth win Yates is third and so it's possible that in the end Yates might snatch that jersey sometimes it does happen that the winner of the overall classification also snatches the combined classification jersey but given how the race has been going I would assume it's going to stay with Valverde or maybe if Lopez is able to really make a statement during the third week it's gonna go to him. 
So that's the general classification and the race for the jerseys. Now before I move to previewing what is coming in the last six days, let me offer some general thoughts that I have about the race so far. Number one, Cofidis. Cofidis has been really quite influential during the race. You see the riders holding the red jersey, winning stages. Despite Buani pulling out, it's a good race for them. La Vuelta has been awesome. And it matches well with what their sportive director said during one of his Tour de France interviews. He mentioned that they want to really rebuild the picture of the team as someone who is there to really compete and not just one of the teams that you invite because your titular sponsor is particularly influential. So it seems to be working out well for them at the Vuelta and I bet we'll see the trend continue into the coming years. The second point I already touched upon a little bit. I am somewhat surprised by the disappointing performance of a few of the big names, especially Aru, because Aru should have done much better than he is doing. He's been kind of invisible almost. Nibali hasn't really done well, but there you can excuse it somehow by pointing to his crash at the Tour. Richie Port, as always, big expectations no delivery, and maybe right now the folks at Trek Segafredo are scratching their head and thinking, who the heck did we hire? This may be a little bit of a doom and gloom scenario, but I am still a little bit disappointed by Sagan's performance. Yeah, he had that crash during Tour, and he did win the jersey at the Tour, but the fact that he hasn't been able to snatch even one stage during La Vuelta is a little bit disappointing. He has been beaten in those final sprints by Valverde, by Viviani, and this really doesn't give much hope for the World Championship, especially given the profile of that parkour. Another topic that I've already touched upon a little bit, but would like to highlight once again, is the Movistar dilemma. This dilemma between do we support Valverde or do we support Quintana is significant for Movistar. They could try to go into the final week with hedging their bets and seeing how the dice roll taking it stage by stage, but that could create a little bit of mischief, a little bit of discontent within the team where Quintana and Valverde are left guessing who is in fact the one true leader. And you also have to consider Quintana is younger, he is arguably the better climber, although the first week and the second week has not at all indicated that, in fact, Besides that one episode going up La Camperona, Valverde has in fact arrived before Quintana on both of the uphill finishes on stage 14 and stage 15. So there is that to consider. But also you need to consider 
the factor of age and the fact that Valverde is a veteran? Does he have it in him? Can he finish Vuelta strong, especially since he has participated in a pretty grueling Tour de France? So has, however, Quintana. And Quintana, unfortunately, since he has won the Vuelta in 2016, he hasn't made any crucial impact on a GC of any of the major races. In fact, just look at this year's Tour de France. Quintana was almost invisible. So unless his goal was all along to concentrate on La Vuelta, I am not confident that Quintana can in fact maintain the high level of performance, especially if you are racing against the hungry young wolf in the form of Miguel Angel Lopez and the extremely driven Simon Yates, who I'm sure wants to make up for that collapse during this year's Giro. So I am not envious of the position the Movistar sport director is in because you will have to gamble at some point. Fortunately, it's possible that the Wednesday stage already will give a little bit of an insight into how everything may pan out. So hopefully for Movistar, there will be enough time in the remaining days that actually matter to fix the situation. Still, I'm sure it would be much better for them to know which card to play 100%. And that's for my general thoughts and for my evaluation of the classification. Now, let's look ahead, let's preview what the final six days of racing will look like. Let's start, obviously, with stage 16. That's the individual time trial. It's going to be 32 kilometers long and will take us from Santillana del Mar to Torre la Vega. It is not a flat time trial at all. There are, in fact, quite a few steep bits going up to 5%, 4%, so climbing legs might come in handy here. Nevertheless, I think Rohan Dennis, Wilco Kelderman, even Kampernets or Kwiatkowski might have something to say. And Kwiatkowski could even use this to push himself up a little bit in the general classification. Then again, he is a bit too far down. Now, if we think about the top 10 slash top 5, I think Valverde is probably the best time trialist. However, Quintana and Lopez are not. So I think Quintana and Lopez will really want to minimize the losses. Pino has a chance as well. And we shouldn't count out Jon Izaguirre. He is number three in Spain in time trial, so he is not a shabby time trialist at all. He could make some significant gains in this stage. Now, I will just say, though, I'm really concerned about that final kilometer of this stage with that 180-degree turn. That could really mess a few people up, especially if they come in too hot into that turn. That could significantly affect the outcome of the race. We'll just have to sit and wait and see. Stage 17 will take us from Gesho to Balcon de Biscaya. It's a 157 kilometer long stage with an uphill finish. They will go up Balcon two times 
And over the course of this stage, the riders will have to conquer four category three climbs, one second category climb, and then one first category climb. In this stage in particular, the final 50 kilometers will be crucial because a lot of the climbs are located in that final stretch of the race. The second time when the riders go up Balcon, which is that final climb, that will be pretty rough. There is a ramp of almost 24%, so that will really test the legs of the riders. And I think any of the top 5 or top 10 guys will want to make a statement here. Quintana and Lopez might need it the most, especially if they lose some time during the time trial the day prior. But there is also that contention for the Polkadot jerseys. So the hand, maybe King, they will want to try and take a little bit of that lead off of Mete and Mete will want to hold on to it. This is also a stage where a lower placed bigger name rider could try and make a statement, just kind of win a stage and hope that it improves his standing for the rest of the season. Many things could happen here and I'm really excited about it. It should also give us a general understanding of how the riders feel heading into that final stretch of racing, especially for Movistar this might be the stage that will decide which rider, be it Valverde or be it Quintana, will be their number one. Stage 18 then will take us from Ejea de los Caballeros to Yeida. It's a 186.1 kilometer stage that is really flat. So it's gonna be a straight out sprinter fair, which will best be suited to Elia Viviani, maybe Juan Popol, who has won in Yeida before, Sagan may want to turn his fortunes around and Matteo Trentin will also likely be in the contention. Now what worries me the most is the roundabout at the 2km point before the end and then the sharp ride at 1km. Those have me a little bit worried because as the sprinter trains are lining up, anything could happen, someone's wheel might slip and then we have a massive pileup, people get hurt, and I just don't want to see that happen at all. Stage 19 will take us then from Yeida to Col de la Rabassa. This will be the highest point of this year's Vuelta, and it will come at the end of 154.4 kilometer long stage, and this is an uphill finish, just so we are clear. It is going to be a pretty steady stage for a lot of the day but then just blam right at the end 17 and a half kilometers of climbing at roughly 6.3 percent lara bassa has a few steep portions early on so anyone with the good legs can try and attack there but then the hill kind of mellows down it's not easy because it is so long but it is not those double digits, it's mostly single digit climb. So what could transpire here? Maybe a breakaway. If a rider is able to get over that long stretch of basically nothing and still maintain sufficient amount of legs, they could be able to secure the stage. Maybe this could also be a top 10 or top 5 battle. 
maybe they will not battle it out for a win. It's possible that that will go to a breakaway or someone who will attack early on and build enough lead on the hill. But definitely in that group, the riders will want to fight for it. So we'll definitely see a competition between Yates, Quintana, Lopez, but also Maas and Kruiswijk and maybe any of the top 10 riders who will want to secure or even challenge the top 5, they might want to try and attack and try and make that statement. It's definitely going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. Stage 20 then will take us from Escaldes and Gordani to Col de la Gaina. It's not a very long stage at only 97.3 kilometers, but it will be hard. It will take us over some of Andorra's hardest hills, with La Gaina being an, a special category of the race. In terms of the hills, the riders will have to conquer one third category climb, one second category climb, full three first category climbs, and then it will wrap up at that special category hardest climb. So, what will happen here? It's hard to predict. It's possible that we will see a break right at the start, some clearly kind of last-ditch attack on the first climb because it starts right away uphill, not a lot of flats. Then we have Bejalis, which is a 9.7-kilometer climb at 6.8%, but there are ramps that go up to 14%. The riders will also conquer Ordino, which is 11.2 kilometer climb at 6.5% average. Then they will go back to Bejalis. It will be slightly shorter at 6.5 kilometers, but because of that shorter stage of the race there, it will be harder in terms of the incline. So the average there will be 8.3%. And finally, the riders will have to defeat La Gaina. It's the last climb and obviously the hardest. It's not very long, it's only 7.7 kilometers, but it's averaging at 7.8%. The switchbacks are particularly nasty and do feature double-digit gradients there, so it's obviously something that might affect who is in the lead at the end of this stage. So... I think it's possible we can see kind of a strike at the beginning a la Christopher Froome at this year's Giro if someone there is really crazy enough and tries to repeat it. This might be, as I mentioned already, the last ditch effort for anyone to secure the Vuelta. It will be the final battle between the GC contenders and it would be kind of poetic if it transpired at La Gaina. And then, of course, who will we see up there? I'm sure it's going to be Yates. I'm sure it's going to be Lopez. They will want to really show that they are on the top of their form. I will go on out on a limb here and say that neither of the Movistar riders will have the legs anymore, especially since they have raced Tour de France. Nevertheless, it's going to be a treat. Stage 20... I wholeheartedly recommend taking those four or five hours on Saturday to sit down and watch it because it's going to be a treat. 
And finally, stage 21, the last stage of the race that takes us from Acorcón to Madrid. It's only 100.9 kilometers long and it's rather flat because as is the tradition with these final stages, it's on the city circuit. It's going to be a lot of celebrations, but there will be that prestigious fight for winning at the last stage of La Vuelta. Sagan, Van Poppel, Viviani, Trentin, maybe even Valverde will want to be up there in the contention. Trentin and Sagan have won this stage before, and especially if Sagan's Vuelta hasn't yielded any significant results for him, he will want to bring some of that magic and at least secure one-stage victory. Nevertheless, this will be a relaxing Sunday afternoon for the riders who have just suffered through 20 days worth of hard racing and will just want to bask in that beautiful feeling of having completed a Grand Tour. And with that, that's gonna be Vuelta. Some last-minute final predictions. I think, as I already mentioned, Movistar will crack. It may crack completely, or it may crack on Quintana and try to go with Valverde, who will then not have the legs either. I think that the final contention will be between Yates and Miguel Angel Lopez. I still think Miguel Angel Lopez is the favorite here. He has had a really great season. We could also see the Pinot comeback, especially after Pinot's performance this second week of racing. And I still think that Jon Izaguirre is a little bit of a sleeper and that Bahrain Merida could, in fact, make the top five, make the top three even. Especially if Jon Izaguirre does have that killer time trial performance that I kind of predict him to have. And with that, Vuelta 2018 will be in the past. Next week, I will be back for the last episode of the Cycling Slav podcast for quite some time until we reach the World Championships. I will review not only the last week of racing, but also the entire 21 stages worth of competition. And I will also think about where I was wrong, what went right. Most of my predictions have actually kind of panned out so far, but I may have been a little bit too gung-ho on the number one, but there is no take-backsies. I still think Miguel Angel Lopez will win at the end. Anyway, that's it for today, Void. If you want more of my content, you can always find it at www.nerdislav.com. You can also look up the Nerdislav at any podcasting application. I should be streaming to all of them. You can also follow me at Twitter. I will be happy to have you. Feel free to tweet at me. Feel free to interact. More than happy to respond. My name is John Paul Hoss. Cheers, Void. And I will talk to you again soon.